We all go into holidays with expectations, I think, right? How many of you have expectations for Christmas? A little bit? I mean, I expect at least one present, I'll be honest. I, I don't need a lot, just a little. Uh, we, in fact, we made a video this week, or we tried to make a video, I guess would be more appropriate, of all the things, like, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, and we tried to put the song, and it didn't really work. But uh, the, the, the responses that we got were pretty insightful. Uh, young, old, uh, all I want for Christmas is my back to be healed. You can guess who said that. Um, we did actually have one, all I want for Christmas is my two bottom teeth. Uh, we had another that was, all I want for Christmas is the new iPad mini. Uh, all I want for Christmas is my family to be together. All I want for Christmas is my son to come home from tour. All I want for Christmas is to hear my dad say, I love you. And I think whether we realize it or not, we do have these points of expectation, these points of hope, these points of want, these points of desire. I mean, that go way beyond, I want Christmas presents, and I expect to have a Christmas tree, and I expect to drive around on the holiday lights and look at cool houses that have really amazing Christmas um, scenes. Uh, I desire to see a really amazing nativity set. But we all have desires. We all have hopes for Christmas. Some of us who would say, I don't really have hopes, would, would maybe, you can frame it in the negative sense. Okay, so if you're one of those people that's sitting around going, you know, I don't really have that many wants for Christmas. Uh, how about these uh, negative other side. Uh, I don't want to get sucked into the materialism. Uh, I don't want the headache of buying the wrong present for the wrong person. I don't want to tiptoe around certain family members just because that's just the way they are. Uh, I don't want um, a season that I quickly forget because it went by so fast. You know, when I think about what I really want this Christmas... Uh, I really want to be able to worship God in the truest sense. I want to slow down. I want things to matter, the right things to matter. I want to share the true reason for the season, not only with my family, but with others. I want the story that I continue to read in the Bible over and over every year. I want it to mean something deeply this year. And maybe you do too. I want my friends and I want my neighbors. I want the people that are around me in my life who don't know this Jesus to know him. I want miracles to still happen. And sometimes even in our desire to have these things, to, to worship fully, if you will, um, we, we really only get halfway there. And I started thinking about why. Why? Why do we only get halfway to this worship in this Christmas season? And for me, I think, I think the reason has to do with the very same thing. It has to do with expectations. I think our expectations actually hinder us from being able to fully worship. Okay? So before I get there theologically, uh, let's just go with a really easy example. Oh, I don't know, the Vikings, because they're so easy to you know, um, talk about. We have kind of a big game going on today, uh, right, right? Noon, 
Packers, Vikings. And if you watched the Vikings last week, I'm sorry, I did too. Uh, and I was just sitting around as I'm watching the game, and, and every time they get close, my expectation was, how are they going to mess this up? Right? Because that's the Vikings. I mean, 1998, I can just go back to that moment, 15 and 1. But since then, my expectation is the Vikings will find some way to mess that up. My expectations actually ruined me watching the game. And I'm a diehard Vikings fan. Now, what if we took those expectations and we just threw them away? Or what if we turned those expectations upside down? That's what I want to do this season. I want to I look at the Bible today, and I want to, if you've heard this story before, I want you to turn it upside down, and I want you to hear it as if you've heard it for the first time. And if it's truly the first time, then bonus for you. So uh, we're going to go to Luke 1. And as we turn to Luke 1, uh, verse 26, uh, Luke's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Pretty easy to find. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's some in the back. We'd love you to have one. If you don't have it, you can bring it home. Let me just direct our hearts back towards God. Uh, God, we don't read your word um, by ourselves thinking that we can figure it out. Uh, we, I, I believe that this is a, a book that's from you. It doesn't mean it fell out of the sky, God, but it, it means that you inspired people to write. And so when we read it, we read it with your hopes uh, and your purposes. And so, God, we ask that you would, you would be present as we read it. We know you're here, but we need you to direct our minds and our hearts to give us ears to hear the word, eyes to see the word, and hearts to want to change because of the word. Amen. In Luke 1, verse 26, they, there's this scene that changes scenes. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we find out who she is before this. We'll come back to her. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, which was a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who is a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to the woman and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean or the fact that there was an angel in the room. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Lord, the power of the Most High, will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. 
few days later, Mary gathered up her things and hurried to the hill country of Judea where, where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord, you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, I think some of us are certain we know what this says, which is a little scary, but not quite as scary as I think some of us are certain we know what it means. So again, if you haven't heard it before, you're in the best place. Now, and if you haven't heard it before and you haven't been around here, then you won't really know the dramatic understatement of this statement, but if you do know me, then you'll just hopefully bust out laughing. Uh, I'm not really a man's man. Uh, no matter how hard I try, I don't immediately, like, when I get the Yahoo page on my news feed, I don't immediately click to the sports. Uh, if I read the paper, I don't immediately turn to the sports section. Uh, I've only gone hunting once in my life. I was 11. Uh, it wasn't really my choice. I don't enjoy boxing or watching boxing. I don't really wa enjoy watching mixed martial arts. Uh, I can't bench press 150% of my body weight. I don't own any of the Rocky movies. I don't even have a poster of Bruce Lee, ever. I'm not a man's man. But even with that and all that going against me, I never, I repeat, never rent an emotionally charged, sappy girl movie alone. I just don't like it. I don't care what you call me. I, I can't do it. I can't get really excited about two women having this emotionally charged conversation with a complex dialogue and this huge plot with these twists and turns if there's no action. Just put a gun in one person's hand. I don't know. I don't like violence. I'm just saying. And, and as we look at this part of the Bible, that's exactly what we have. We have two women getting emotionally charged and having a complex dialogue about their babies, about what to expect when they're expecting. And, and maybe that's why we don't look at it. Maybe the story is just emasculating enough that we don't concentrate on it. And yet, in this story, I am convinced that we find the keys to worshiping fully this Christmas season. And the first thing we can look at as we look at this story, whether we look at Elizabeth, her husband Zachariah, or Mary, nobody has expectations in the story. And if they do have expectations in the story, they're in huge trouble. So I gather from that, the first thing we want to do if we want to worship fully this Christmas, we have to ditch our expectations. Well, we can start with Elizabeth. Elizabeth had to give up her expectations. I imagine they were ripped out of her hand, though. Her expectations have been buried under hurt and, and, and pain. And, and I'm, I'm pretty clueless as it comes to women. Uh, my wife can attest to that. But I at least realize that when you call a woman barren, 
It's heartless and hurtful. And that's exactly what Elizabeth is called. She's called barren. Now, when you hear the word barren, what thoughts or images come to your mind? The first thing that I think of is a barren wasteland. I don't know why I go there. Some of you go there too. When I think of a barren wasteland, that's worse than a desert. At least a desert can grow cacti. At least there's some habitat that lives in a desert. But a barren wasteland, that can't produce or sustain any life. Just think about that. But what about this? What about a barren mind? I I guess I would describe a barren mind as something that's just mentally unproductive. Dull, dumb, can't produce results. Maybe you've sat in a class with someone who has a barren mind. Maybe you work with someone who has a barren mind. You probably shouldn't say it if you live with someone with a barren mind. But another thought I discovered about barrenness is this having no capacity to interest or attract, like a barren period in American architecture. Because, yeah, that's totally where my mind went. Yeah, a barren period of American architecture in the 30s that there weren't enough architects to produce anything of value. No, that's not where my mind went. Because maybe you're single. It doesn't really matter how old you are. It's just a matter of if you've been single to a point where you've wondered... Do I really have any capacity to interest or attract someone? And I'm not picking on the single people because I have talked to plenty of married people who look at me and then look at their spouse as they sit in my office and they go, will this person ever be interested or attracted to me again? Barrenness. That's what Elizabeth is labeled. She's just labeled as someone who's unable to produce anything of value. And let's face it, in her society, the one thing that she should have been able to do in that culture was produce children. So she is labeled. And she has got to live with that. And she is well past her childbearing years. You have a little sheet of paper. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you've been barren or you felt barren. Maybe it has nothing to do with any of the definitions or descriptions I've given. Maybe you've had a barren time with God where you just literally don't know if he's even present, even real. Just make some kind of a note on that little sheet of paper or on the the handout that would that would cause you to come back to that. Because that's not the only thing in the story, but I believe it's pretty hard to worship fully if we feel like we can't produce anything of value. Even if it's just a praise to God, even if it's just a prayer to acknowledge, to worship, if we don't feel like we can produce anything of value, we're barren. And we can't worship fully when we're barren. But that's not the only thing in the story. I also see in Zechariah's story a person who has to ditch the earthly expectations. And by earthly expectations, I just mean the things that are physically possible. Okay, so here's Zechariah. He's Elizabeth's husband. 
we find out earlier in the story that he's a priest, that he's pretty good at it. He has a job to do. He loves his wife. He does his work. He tries to understand where she's coming from. And he just kind of goes through his, his day. He goes through his week. He goes through his month. I imagine him as an ordinary guy who has a supernatural experience. We see it at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to be in verse 8. It says, One day Zechariah was serving God at the temple for his order. His little group was on duty that week. As was the custom, they, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. So while the incense was burning, a great crowd outside was gathering and they were praying. Sometimes when the priest would go into the the sanctuary, God was so holy and the priest wasn't that the priest would actually die there and they would tie a rope around his ankle and have to pull him out so nobody else would go in. I don't think this is one of those times, but it brought an anticipation level up that was pretty good. There's your action. If you need an action story, guys, like, ooh, I wonder if he's going to fall dead. So the people are outside praying. The incest is coming up through the curtain, through the, through the temple, and they're seeing the smoke rise up as a symbol of their prayers rising up to God. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right next to the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. So I couldn't conjure up an angel to try and describe this, but I was able to find a pretty pretty close video that I think will describe what, what uh, shaken and overwhelmed with fear looks like. Uh, this was a video that was done, I think, in Brazil. And as of like Friday, it had 25 million views. And uh, this is kind of a candid camera show. And so what these producers did is they put a video together, they made a room, and you walked into the room and people thought that they were greeting a receptionist to go up to an elevator. So they press the button on the elevator, and a room opens that they think is an elevator, except it's just a plain old room. And then the, you'll see that the elevator lights start to flicker on like it's going up, and it makes the elevator sounds, and then the lights flash, and the people watch. And then an infrared camera comes on as the lights go out. And a little girl comes out of a side panel, because it's just a room. We'll see it in a sec. I don't want to give it all away, but you know you might be scared of it, so... The little girl comes out, she's in stocking feet, ratty hair, pale face, little redness on her eyes, and she's holding a doll. And she just has a very blank look on her face. But she's like an eight-year-old girl, in stocking feet. Okay? Let's see if people are shaken and overwhelmed with fear.
I promise there's a point. It's not just to get a laugh on someone else's expense. Now, what authority did that girl have? What power did that girl have? Not one person stopped to say, uh, how'd you get in here? Where's your mom? No, they just completely flipped out. I mean, that's kind of what we hear Zachariah doing. He's shaken and overwhelmed with fear. But I think his reaction isn't that different from the little girl in the elevator. I mean, listen to what the angel says. Verse 13, the angel says, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to a son, and you are to name him John. You, are, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great, and he will, he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit for even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah the prophet. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn hearts of the fathers to the children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah asked and said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? Not Mary's response. How can I be sure of this? How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And now you'll be unable to speak since you didn't believe my words. 
that girl in the video had no power, no authority, and she just, I mean, people who recognized her presence got kind of scared. Zechariah recognized God's presence. This is an angel. The angel says, I stand in the very presence of God. And it was not Gabriel who sent the good news. It was not Gabriel's power that was going to give birth to this child or cause Elizabeth to become pregnant. It was God. God who has the authority. God who has the power. And I don't think Zechariah recognized it. How can I be sure? As I've thought about this all week, the, kind of the only thing I think I can say about that is if we want to worship fully, but we also want certainty, we're never going to get there. Because certainty tries to get rid of all mystery. And we can't worship something that we can fully understand because it fails to be something of majesty. It fails to be God if we can fully... God fails to be God if we can fully understand him. And that's, Zechariah wants certainty. How can I be sure? So, Zechariah confused an angel with a little girl in the video. I'll scream, no authority. And if we want to worship fully, not only do we have to get rid of that kind of certainty or wanting that certainty, I think we have to we have to go beyond the realm of physically possible. Is this something supernaturally possible? Well, Zechariah the priest should have known that hmm, Abraham and Sarah, if you know the old story, she was well past her childbearing years, and what happened to her? She had a child. Hannah and Samuel, if you've been with us a couple months ago, we talked about Hannah. She was a woman who was called barren. She couldn't have any children. Guess what? She got pregnant. Elizabeth is just one woman in the long line of faithful people to God who this can happen to. Zachariah, of all people, should have known that story. But sometimes we want such certainty that we think the realm of the supernatural isn't possible anymore. Remember I asked you to write down thoughts about barrenness, things that you never think could happen? I heard a story from someone who my, my sister-in-law is going to, could die. And she's healed. That's supernaturally possible. Medically, we could use a lot of words to explain it. Sometimes, medically, we can't. There are doctors who come into offices who say, I don't know, the cancer was there. We took the test. It's gone. Now, I'm sure there's some scientific reasons that we might may be able to understand or not understand, but I also believe that God still works. And if we want to worship fully, we have to understand that God still works. Elizabeth doesn't fully get it. Zachariah doesn't fully get it. Mary, however, Mary gets it. We see in the story that Mary has no expectations. I mean, sure, she's a little bit I imagine she's a little bit nervous about or wondering about her wedding. But it's not like in America where we... I don't want to sound like I'm a little girl, so careful. Um, I've been told that little girls think about their wedding from the time that they're, I don't know, they can read. (laughs) So from the time of six, they plan their wedding and they think about what they want. 
That didn't happen in first century Jewish land. Girls were told, one day we'll tell you who your husband's going to be. And then we'll have a party. It'll be like all the other parties that we go to. And, and so I'm sure Mary's heard that story before. One day we'll pick out a husband for you, and then that day came. 14, 15, I don't know how old she was, but she was pretty young. She was barely into her childbearing years, sitting with a woman who's well past her childbearing years. Why? Because she needed someone who could cheer on. She needed someone who could, who could acknowledge that something would be supernaturally possible. So her parents come to say one day and say, hey, this guy Joseph, he's going to be your husband. I don't know. I, I, I highly doubt she has any expectations. And an angel comes to her. She certainly isn't looking for certainty. She lived in a time where technically people could have stoned her had they found out she was pregnant before she got married. It was only a few hundred years ago that that still happened. In fact, oh, I think it was 30 years ago, I, I looked at a picture um, at somebody's house of different, their different children. And it had a big light, white flowing wedding dress in a church, big white flowing wedding dress in a church, brown business girl suit in a courthouse. And I looked and I went, I know you don't favor one of your children. And the person said, well, uh, she got pregnant before, before she got married. So we made her get married at the courthouse and do it up. And now she has that living reminder we're not that far removed from this story. But Mary doesn't have any expectations. Mary doesn't have any certainty. And she simply recognized that God has authority. When the angel Gabriel said, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, she says, how can this happen? She didn't say, how can I be certain of this? She said, how can this happen? I've never been with a man. Well, an angel of the Lord, the Holy Spirit actually, God himself will come down and overshadow you and then you will become pregnant and you will conceive. And you will give birth. And she says, ooh, let me try and physically understand that. Uh, Let me be certain of that. Uh, Let me, no. Her simple response is, well, I'm God's and let God have his way. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left. And I believe because she didn't have any expectations, she didn't have any earthly certainty that she needed to have explained, she just believed God's authority that she was able to worship fully. And we're actually given a beautiful prayer, a beautiful, like we call it the Magnificat, or the Magnificat, and it's this beautiful poem, almost song, if you will, about Mary's response to what has happened. I don't think we try and understand that. I think we look at it and say, here's a woman who is able to worship God for who he was and fully with her whole heart. And that's what we want to do today. As you think about these different, I guess, areas that we've talked about, um, barren expectations or buried expectations, earthly expectations, or or the inability to recognize God's authority. If you were to look at what hinders you this Christmas season from really fully worshiping God, would it fall into one of those areas? And if so, would you just take that little sheet of paper and would you write it down? 
Maybe on the other side, you want to write a prayer to God saying how he can move in the midst of that. Carrie's going to come up and, and read in a moment, and the band's going to come up in a moment. But I just want to give you time, because we said we want to slow down this season. So we want to actually give pause in our gathering for God to move in your heart and for us to have time to listen. If you know what's so big that you need help, that you want to come back for prayer at any time from now until before the game, you can come back for prayer. But I'd like you to take that sheet of paper. You can certainly take it with you if you want, but we thought it would be kind of meaningful if you took that sheet of paper and you rolled it up and you put it in here. And I guess if you want to make sure you can have it at the end of the season, put your name on it. We're we're not going to read them. Um, But then we can see those prayers and those hurdles that we we want to get over so that we can worship fully this season. Would you pray with me? And then we'll go into a time of silence and then a time of response where we can worship God for who he is. God, I thank you that when we enter the story, at least for me, when, when I look at this story and when I put myself in there and I imagine the responses of these people, I see this story in a whole new way. I see scared people. I see people that are uncertain of the future. I, I see people that, that don't really give these religious responses, that just give human responses. And yet even in the midst of that, we see at least one woman, we see Mary give this amazing response. She's able to fully worship you, God, and that's what we want. We want to be able to fully worship you. But some of us can't. Some of us feel hindered. God, and maybe it's because we have buried expectations or, or we just feel barren. Maybe it's because we have earthly expectations and we can't see past Anything in the natural realm, we can only, we want everything explained. We want it all certain. But God, we ask that during this time, in this moment that we've set aside for you, that you would speak to us, God. So we don't ask arrogantly. We just ask honestly. God, talk to us about about what's getting in our way to, to worship you fully truly, honestly, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, all of our being.